The aftermath of the draft is upon us. We call it the draftermath. Bradley Beal is going to get paid. John Wall is free. And Kyrie has opted in. But the drama is far from over. He's Justin Goodrum. I'm Matt Thomas. And welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. In the 90s, we had Jordan and Pippen. In the 2000s, we had Shaq and Kobe. Now in the later 2000s, we've got JG and Matt T. Justin, I don't think I've ever called you JG, so (laughs) if you don't like it, I understand. (laughs) How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Wow, that's a lofty expectation (laughs) to live up to. I'm going irrational confidence tonight. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, The great ones have that, so I can't knock it. But uh, doing pretty good, man. Uh, Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup in my neck of the woods, so I can't complain about yourself. That's right. Congrats to the Avalanche. Feels kind of weird, like seeing them as champions again. Right. Uh, I don't know. Last time I remember, I think Joe Sackick was on, was on the team. Correct. Champs. Uh, I don't. I'm not a hockey expert by any means, but yeah, congratulations to Denver and the Avalanche on that. Pretty cool to see. I watched uh, the first period of Game Six there. I, mm-hmm. I was at a friend's house. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't catch the end of it though. But uh, yeah, all is well over here. Can't complain. Just uh, man, uh, just in the lab hitting the weights, and now uh, in the lab with Hoopsology here, as we always love to do. Plenty to talk about tonight, so uh, we have some exciting interviews coming up in the next couple weeks. Stay tuned to our podcast feed. We are part of Off the Glass Basketball Network, otgbasketball.com. You can find a lot of great content there if you want to recap what happened with the Warriors. There's a podcast for that if you want to recap The Celtics side of things from the finals, check out Celtics Lab podcast. Um, But as I mentioned, we have a lot to get into. Last Thursday night, feels like forever ago, we had the NBA draft. So just to recap for the listeners, kind of a surprising move by many. I, I was actually kind of surprised with how surprised everyone was by this, I guess was my takeaway all. I'll explain why, but the Magic took Paolo Bancaro with the first pick in the draft, of course, power forward from Duke. The Thunder with the second pick took Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Many thought, including us, uh, he, he was widely seemingly projected to be the first pick to the Magic, but the Thunder take him with the second pick in the draft, and then the Rockets get Jabari Smith from Auburn with the third pick. So the top three talent remains the top three picks in the draft. I think everyone expected those guys to be the top three. There were rumors about maybe a team reaching for Jaden Ivey, like maybe the Thunder would reach for him. That wasn't the case. Um, And before we get into more picks, I just kind of want to give my quick rundown of what the draft, the story behind the draft was. And that is, shout out to Dennis Green. We are who they thought they were. That is the story of this draft. The Magic, traditionally a team that wants to 
get to the playoffs at any cost, even if they're going to just coast in at the eight seed. They want to get into the playoffs. The player who is the most polished and ready to deliver on day one is Paolo Bancaro. And I don't think there's any argument about that. You know, we'll see what training camp brings and all that, but he has the most complete game. They need a creator. They need someone who can get his own shot. He's got that. He brings that to the table. We'll see what time tells if they really missed out on Chet Holmgren. But again, we are who they thought they were. The Thunder go for the highest ceiling player that is there. Now, he may have a floor, depending on his medicals, that is lower than than Jabari Smith or Paolo Bancaro, but that's yet to be seen. They go for the potential of greatness with Chet Holmgren. And the thin towers, I don't know if you saw that meme, Justin, but uh, between Poku and Chet Holmgren, you now have uh, a team that has been dubbed the thin towers between those two guys. (laughs) I I love it. I love it. So I had to bring it up. That was on NBA memes on Instagram. Shout out to that account. Um, And the Rockets, my team, I'm very excited. They land Jabari Smith. And this was just kind of a pick that made sense. It it was always going to be this way for the Rockets unless a trade got involved. They were always going to pick the leftovers of what is there. But I loved what Jabari Smith had to say. And if you think of fit, just to give my two cents as a Rockets fan, I love the fit because his weakness in, in the draft analysis that I've read is that he lacks create the ability to create his own shot. He lacks handles. He's a very, very tall guy. They need defense in the post. They need rim protection. He brings that potential to the table. He's also a great three-point shooter, maybe the best shooting stroke in the draft. He's in the argument. Effective from outside, so it's going to be fun running him with Shangun. They complement each other well because Shangun is a creator. And more importantly, he fits well on this Rockets roster because Jalen Green is working on his playmaking ability and Kevin Porter Jr. is working on the same thing. So you have enough creators, enough guys that need the ball in their hands that if Jabari can come in there and work as even a slightly lesser version of Evan Mobley. Granted, Mobley was a monster last year, so that's hoping a lot. But if he can work as, you know, even 80% of what Mobley was, the Rockets are going to be a much better team. And if he's that all NBA potential, which Jalen Green is as well, uh, then, uh, you know, sky's the limit for the Rockets future. The Kings pull a very Kings move. We are who they thought they were. The highest potential guy left on the board, uh, I think most pundits would agree, was Jaden Ivey. Because he doesn't fit well with De'Aaron Fox, the Kings decided to go with, rather than talent, even though they didn't do anything last year, they go with fit and they go with Keegan Murray from Iowa. No disrespect to him. I can't really say much about his game. But the Kings miss out on Jaden Ivey. And the Pistons, you love to see it, a tortured franchise in recent years anyway, they land Jaden Ivey with that fifth pick. Um. So that's a mouthful. Justin, I want to hand it over to you. Any thoughts differing from what I said or any thoughts overall in the draft that I didn't cover? No, uh, we we do this every year, right? And the draft, it's kind of like my least favorite thing to talk about, just being honest. (laughs) It's so weird because I like summer leagues so much. This is a strange dichotomy there. But you basically covered it. I don't 
disagree with you. I would only say with Jaden Ivey, he comes from a pretty good basketball pedigree. His mom played in the WNBA, also was an assistant coach in the NBA. Um, I just the way he speaks. You could tell he has a high basketball IQ, so that's going to be a great pick for the Pistons. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see Chet Holmgren. Just, I think Chet seems very arrogant, which could <laughs> go well or could go against him. So that's something to watch. Um, if the Thunder are terrible, I'm sure you're not going to. He's not going to be quietly regarding that. So I think this will be very interesting to watch. And then one other thing, the Bulls. Um, that's my team. Um, they draft. Um, Galen Terry, um, he played for Arizona, um, and very interesting in terms of him. Um, a lot of pundits say that was an average pick more. He's a defensive help um, on that end of the floor. But as an interesting note, he's going to don the number 25 to honor um, Steve Kerr. And also Benji Wilson, who um, died tragically in the 80s as well. So um, it's kind of a cool note there, just in terms of the Bulls draft. Uh, but other than that, pretty much things went pretty much according to plan. I think I watched um, our um, one of our past guests, uh, Casey Kiernan, and he recapped the draft, and he was saying, like, you know, a lot of these players, you don't really know until they kind of get it, get on the floor when the season starts until the season unfolds. So it's kind of hard to really predict so um it's gonna be exciting to see these guys at summer league seems like they're really excited so i'm just looking forward to seeing how it plays out um the other two two other quick things i just want to say it's worth checking out you can look it up it's been floating around on instagram is where i saw it i'm sure you can look it up a lot of places if you haven't seen the interview of marjan bochamp from the bucks pick number 24 in the first round go look it up very inspiring stuff. Um, gentleman that was was homeless for a while, really came from a rough background and made his way into a first round draft pick, and has a chance to to be a contributor on a Buck squad um, that is loaded. Uh, but he has some potential to land in there and contribute. Uh, really heartwarming stuff to see if if you like those heartwarming draft stories. Also, just a side note, kind of a funny note. I think it's cool that the Thunder drafted two players, both named Jalen Williams, in the same draft. Just one of those strange coincidences that you know you may never see something like that. Also, the Miami Heat. Famously, uh, Marcus Morris got in a fight with Nikola Jokic this past season. You guys all remember we covered that. The Heat drafted Nikola Jovic. Uh, so a lot of jokes going around about Marcus Morris being uh, unnecessarily angry at Jovic when he shows up to practice. So just kind of funny uh, that they land that pick at number 27. All right, let's take a look at Bradley Beal next. This has been talked about earlier this week. It does seem impending. It does seem highly likely. Uh, this is from SB Nation from Albert Lee. Shout out to him. Uh, quote, Bradley Beal is expected to opt out of his current contract with the Washington Wizards this summer and re-sign with, with the team, the Wizards, for a five-year Supermax contract that is worth about $248 million per multiple sources, including ESPN. Um, now, Bradley Beal was hurt at the end of last year, so the downfall of the Wizards, in spite of their hot start, cannot 
completely be blamed on Bradley Beal. It can be blamed in large part uh, on the the fact that he had that injury. Wasn't having a great season before he was injured. Uh, I just want to throw it to you and, and let you um, give your thoughts on this first since I rambled about the draft. Would you give Bradley the super max? And what should the Wizards do here? Well, I think they're in a tough spot. And I it's funny because I, I kind of see the Bulls' future in this, just in terms of, mm. you know, what they're dealing with with Zach Levine, just in terms of, you know, it's different. But, you know, you're, you're dealing with, like, DeMar DeRozan. He's older. You're kind of put in a weird spot. To me, I know this is an unpopular decision. I wouldn't give him the Supermax. I just think I, it, this experiment, I don't even call it experiment. I think this era of Wizards basketball was good while it lasted. John Wall's gone. I mean, Bradley Beal's older. I just think it's over. I just think, to me, my philosophy on building a team is through the draft. I just think, especially mm. through small market teams, that's the only way that you're going to be a threat is by drafting correctly. And by signing him to a Supermax, I just, I mean, granted, it will be an attractive point to bring other free agents, I suppose. But I just think this era's over. I just, I don't know. Um I just think taking a look at that team and taking a look at the future, granted, I know he's had some very promising points, you know, during his career in Washington, but giving him that much money, I just, if I'm a Washington fan, I feel pretty uneasy. And I know it's, you know, fans want to win immediately, you know, giving up an all-star is not the popular thing to do, but I mean, you have to think of like the end game and I think it's just, you know, drafting well. But, you know, that might be unpopular opinion. I think the counterpoint to what you're saying, and I agree with you, by the way, uh, I think the counterpoint to what you're saying would be, well, two years ago, he led the lead, league in scoring sure. and was an all-star starter. Typically, an all-star starter gets paid the super max. But I'm with you firmly that this Wizards team, unfortunately, even though they got Kyle Kuzma, Justin, <laughs> this Wizards team is going <laughs> nowhere right now. And... Yeah, I'm with you. It's time to blow it up. I, I would say, of course, if you can find a sign and trade deal that works, great, do that. But I, I'm not having Bradley Beal on the books for close to $50 million a year. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's nothing I have seen here that shows he can be the 1A superstar that takes you to, uh, let's not even talk about titles. Let's talk about a deep playoff run. And there, there's nothing we've seen so far. And yes, a lot of that is mismanagement on the Wizards part. I, I would blame that more so than Bradley Beal. But even still, in spite of that, he's been basically a, a hot target to pair with an already existing foundational player like this this season before the trade deadline with Joel Embiid. He really wanted Bradley Beal before Beal got hurt. You get drafted by the the Wizards. I commend him. I, I like Bradley Beal a lot for sticking out it out with the Wizards as long as he has and for not causing a whole lot of drama. If I'm Bradley Beal, of course, I'm trying to get paid the super max. I can't fault him for that. I, I don't think either of us would. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, it's time to cut ties. Time for the Wizards to move on. Moving on to... Um, the former Batman of this Batman and Robin squad, I would say, John Wall, who has been just getting paid to ride the bench for my Houston Rockets. Um, and, and I do think in many ways, 
I don't like how that situation played out. And I, I'm excited about our draft pick this year. I'm excited about, you know, landing Jalen green last year. Um, I think the plan worked, but I still feel kind of achy about this, kind of gross about two years of John Wall's career just kind of being wasted on the bench. Like I I don't know how I feel ethically about that, I guess is what I'm getting at. And and I don't know that there's an answer. Uh, because you do this as a GM and you know, like we had Roosh Williams on the show uh last offseason heading into the season, and he was very, very bullish about Raphael Stone and the moves that he made for Houston as their GM. And I, I agreed with him. Um I, I think he's played this game of chess correctly. But we've missed out on John Wall for the last two years. John Wall, ladies and gentlemen, is only 31 years old. Wow. And he's had injury problems, no doubt. He's been fragile. Um, but anyway, long story short, the Rockets have bought out his contract. They pay a whopping $41 million of the $47 million left in his contract. And he now is most likely, highly likely to sign with the Clippers. All reports are indicating. So John Wall, as it says in the headline there, five-time All-Star. We haven't seen him in basically two years. What do you think he brings to the Clippers? Do you like their chances as title contenders? A lot of people, we mentioned it last time we were live streaming, Justin. They were the third team in the mix for title favorites. It was Warriors, Celtics, and Clippers. Does this increase their chances, decrease? Do you think it's, it's kind of net zero? What do you think? Well, according to Vegas, it increases their chances. I mean, mm. you know, I, which I was shocked. I mm. I am very much on bearish on John Wall. I don't know. I just, at this point, I don't really see what value he brings. Now, the good news is that it kind of depends. I mean, I think I feel like I'm in a minority. I feel like people are going to have very high expectations with him and Kawhi returning, that they're going to be a massive threat in the West, and the Lakers are a question mark. Along with kind of, you know, there's a lot of room for some other teams that were relevant last year to push their way to the front in the upcoming season. So I think expectations of him are going to be fairly high. But I am not very high on John Wall just based on just how he's looked when he was, you know, playing on the floor and just his, you know, latest injuries. I don't know. I, I think at maximum capacity, he could be a huge factor for the Clippers, but I just don't know how much of him we're going to see out on the floor just based on his previous history. But I could be wrong. We've seen other guys, you know, turn it around. I mean, the NBA is a very friendly league to guys, you know, going through harsh points of their careers and making a comeback. So maybe John Wall can fit in that area. But I just not seeing it as him being a productive member of that team, but I could be wrong. I don't know. So here's the thing. I, I think we've never seen John Wall as a third option on, on any team. That's true. Uh, third option or less. Now, the, the big question, is he going to be able to humble himself enough to be that role? Because if, if you're telling me John Wall's numbers next year are like 14 points a game, 10 assists a game, I, I love that for this team. Uh, and of course, obviously goes without saying, biggest thing is, can he stay healthy? That's the big question with this entire Clippers team. Let's be honest. I mean, it seems like talent-wise, yes, very likely could be a contender, but so volatile given that you're relying on both Kawhi Leonard and now John Wall, 
who if if he's on your roster and you're playing him, I don't think he's playing 20 minutes a game unless he's, you know, under some type of like injury restriction. So can he deal with the the pressure, the sort of mental strain, the the uh, ego deflation of being a third or fourth option on this team? If the answer is yes to that, then I'm very intrigued to see what he can do because I love him as a playmaker. I love him as a distributor. I think he's a really underrated passer. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but, you know, he, he has been... Um, for someone who is that good of a passer, sort of, I don't know if selfish is the right term, but, but I guess just um, maybe not always adept at making the smartest basketball play, especially when coming to the fourth quarter, like a lot of long two point jumpers, things like that. Uh, Very Westbrook esque in some ways, although I think, from the last time we've seen both those players play, I, I think John Wall would take offense to that, given the season the Lakers had. But point still stands. Not not always the most efficient point guard, I guess is what I'm saying. So I see potential here. I, I don't uh, until I see that play out on the court. I don't really think this to me elevates them above the Warriors right now as a contender. Uh, doesn't elevate them above the Celtics for me as a contender, doesn't elevate them above the Suns or Grizzlies to me right now in this moment as a contender. Need to see them healthy. Need to see what Kawhi brings uh, in in bigger picture for the Clippers because it's bananas to me that Vegas has them as a top three contender (laughs) where like – who knows where Kawhi Leonard is? Like, is he chilling with Elvis? Is he chilling with Tupac right now? Like, That's I don't true. know. He's where is Kawhi Leonard? What, what is going on there? That's true. Um, all right. So last topic here. It's a big one. It's no surprise. You'll never guess, Justin, there is drama <laughs> in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> we get rumors like all last week, basically, that like, Kyrie Irving has met with LeBron James. The reunion is happening. Last time these guys won a title, or I'm sorry, last time Kyrie won a title was when these guys were together and Kyrie made that big shot in Cleveland. The reunion is going to happen. No, no, not at all. Um, Kyrie decides to end this early offseason Soap opera, I'm borrowing from this headline by Brian Lewis from the New York Post. Headline says, Kyrie Irving, net soap opera, far from over despite opt-in. And that is exactly the case. There will constantly be drama surrounding this Nets team, especially Kyrie Irving, because in my opinion, in large part, just because the media does not like the decision he made about the vaccine last season, I think he's going to continue to get backlash. Regardless of how you feel, I'm not trying to inject opinions here, but I think the media is going to continue to be after him because of that specifically. Uh, I think definitely the relationship seems strained between he and KD, even though they seem to be saying the right things publicly about each other. Just seems like Kyrie's an easy person to blame right now when the world's against him for James Harden leaving, for a lot of things that went down last season. Um, So I guess now that we know Kyrie has opted in, 
of course, a lot of unanswered questions about Ben Simmons, a lot of unanswered questions about where this roster will fill in. But uh, let me just put it this way. Are, are the Nets still a top four contender in the East? Given what we know right now, there's no KD trade yet. There are rumors that there's drama there as well. Who knows what's being asked behind the scenes? Um, are the Nets top four right now? I think so. I think just with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and if things just stay as they are, I believe so. I mean, we saw when they are somewhat 100%, they are a very formidable team. Now, they have weaknesses, absolutely. But despite at least my misgivings of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, you can't deny them on the court. I mean, they are a powerful force. So I would say so. I think in terms of seeding, they are a top four team. I think the question comes how many games they're going to play together. And then, you know, once the playoffs happen next season, where they're going to be at defensively. I think that's where you're going to get into what other teams can rank it happen. But, um, you know, those two paired together, you know, a lot of, you know, professional basketball is paired with, you know, high offensive firepower and the Nets have that at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you can lock in for me that KD and Kyrie are on a roster, I think that's good enough right there to contend for a top four playoff spot, even if they don't make a deep run. So I, I'm with you there. Um, let me ask you this, because there's still a lot of questions left with how the Nets roster is going to fill out this offseason. So we'll wait to talk about that a little bit more, dive into their chances a little bit more once uh, the puzzle pieces all come together. But I, I think the more interesting question, say say you had the same situation play out in Chicago. Say same players, different jerseys. It's your team. If you could go back before the bubble, before KD signs with this team, would you get in that time machine, hit the reset button, and keep this young core together? You know, you had Jared Allen. Um, you had a lot of interesting pieces there that were slowly getting better. I believe in the bubble they were uh, the eight seed, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Uh, could have been the nine seed, but some promising things. You didn't have a superstar player. Um, what would you do? Would you hit that reset button, or would you say? Things play out exactly the same up to this point. This next season's a mystery, but you tell me I get KD and Kyrie. I get like James Harden, even though it's embarrassing. It was like 16 games together for the three of them. Do you take that route or do you go back, hit the reset button, see if you can trade those pieces for something else, play that kind of roulette? Hmm. Well, I think taking... It's hard to take my Bulls' uh, feelings out of it because we kind of saw this play out with Chicago, right, just in terms mm. of DeMar DeRozan and with the other additions as well, uh, with the Lonzo Ball. Like we saw the improvement they made immediately. So just looking back on us, seeing how it played out, I think I would take the superstars. I would. I just – it just instantly makes you just a championship favorite. And these guys aren't past their prime. I mean, KD is still – elite despite his injury he suffered still top five player in the league i put Kyrie when he's out there top 10 there's no denying that and yet james harden a little bit more skeptical i think i would say that's where i'm like i don't know <laughs> but at least with Kyrie and kd i think i make the same moves i just 
with a young core, I don't know if they're progressing enough to really be a factor in winning the title. I think that's the main thing. If you're looking for just like a you know ten year plan, certainly you want to be patient. But this you know in basketball, you want to win now as quickly as possible. And I think having those superstars would afford that opportunity. So I wouldn't really go in a time machine and change anything differently. Just unfortunate, just with the pandemic and just other circumstances, you know, things did not go the next way. Uh, so, but I, I would say take, just take the superstars. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's the correct answer in the modern day NBA, you know, in spite of my opinions of like super teams kind of slowly becoming more extinct. Uh, I think that's the correct answer from a competitive standpoint as, as embarrassing, I will say as, as things have been for the nets, um, I think you still go that route and you take your chances on how this next season is going to play out because love them or hate them. The nets are still going to be in that title contention conversation. As long as KD and Kyrie are there, you are loaded offensively with that talent. You just have to get guys around them that can pass the ball and play some defense. Essentially. Um, you know, you would like a little more than that, but point still stands. All right. Um, you guys, We appreciate you watching live with us. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Be sure you check us out on social media as well. We're going to have a lot of quick headlines as this always happens in uh, the NBA offseason. A lot of big, impactful moves, I would think. And we may not always be able to get on a stream right away to react to it. So I'm going to try my best to be given some reactions over Instagram. So at Hoopsology Pod is our Instagram. If you aren't um, following us there, please do. And you can also check us out on Twitter, of course, on Facebook. And you can listen to us anywhere you get podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube, of course. Looking forward to another exciting offseason. We will be continuing to do interviews, continuing to put out content throughout the offseason. Pace may slow down slightly, but not that much. we still got a lot to discuss on Hoopsology, as always. For Justin Goodrum, I am Matt Thomas. Thank you all for joining us. Peace out. See you next time.